0: We're talking Giants with Big Blue Views, Ed Valentine, plus an update on how close we are to getting the mysterious box open. That's coming up next on the Locked On Giants podcast. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Giants podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast family. Your team every day. Patricia China here with you, and this episode is brought to you in part today by Get Upside. Just download the free Get Upside app and use the promo code Touchdown to get twenty-five cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank at participating gas stations. Happy to have everybody with you. With us today. Uh, thank you as always for making us your first listen of the day or your first watch if watching us on YouTube. And uh, we're going to kick off this week's show with a sit down we did with ed valentine at big blue view eddie joined me on the podcast uh for those of you who are new to the show ed and i used to host the locked on giants podcast together years ago uh before that we had our own podcast so we're all buddies um so we're going to talk all things giants on today's show and um also, a quick update on where we are with the mysterious box. So that's all coming up. But uh regarding the box, I've been telling you guys: if you if, if you caught the show last week, I said to you, once I hit 2,000 subscribers, we would open up this box, which is my gift slash incentive from Locked On. If I hit 2,000 subscribers, well, folks. I hit 2,000 subscribers over the weekend. So first, let me just say thank you, thank you to everybody who subscribed, who made that possible. Last I checked, I think I was at 2,080 subscribers or thereabouts. So thank you for that. Now, I'm not going to open the box on today's show. I know. I said I would do it when I hit 2,000, but because of the interview with Eddie Valentine, I'm going to actually open the box on tomorrow's show. Tomorrow's show being Twitter Tuesday. So... You know what to do. Got to get those questions in to me for Twitter Tuesday, and then I will open the box and uh, we'll look at it together. And I think I might even have an, an announcement um, regarding that. So you will not want to miss tomorrow's show. If you want to get in on Twitter Tuesday, you can tweet at me. My Twitter handle is below. Make sure you tag the post, ask P Train. If you want to email the questions to me, it's locked on Giants Podcast at gmail. Dot com. So let's hear from you. We'll do Twitter Tuesday and we will open the box and see what is in it. And again, thank you for subscribing. If you haven't already subscribed, hit that button, uh, smash that little bell, that like button, and uh, get that, like I said, hit that little bell for notifications because I think the next incentive I get from Locked On is going to be at 5,000. It'll be 5,000 subscribers. So, uh Got a long way to go, but uh, thanks to you guys and gals, I th- I'm confident I'll get there. So, all right, let's start the interview with Ed Valentine. Who I also I'm going to be on Eddie's program on uh, Monday. So, if you want to see what I said, had to say on his show, check out Big Blue View Radio. So, without further ado, let's kick this off. <laughs> All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. Patricia Traynor here with you. And as promised, I have Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. And we're going to talk all things Giants. There's a lot to talk about, Edward. First off, thank you so much for making me part of your Sunday morning. We're taping this on a Sunday morning for our Monday shows. And I, of course, will be on Ed's show. Um, I think it's going to run on Monday or whatnot. But uh, Ed, thank you for coming on with me.
1: Oh, you're welcome, Patty. Thanks for having me. You're 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 just keeping me from trying to chop the ice out of my driveway this morning. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, you got hit pretty hard by the storm, huh?
1: Yeah, we did. My my driveway and my sidewalk are about five inches of solid ice. So wow. that'll be fun. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. We got barely nothing down where, where I live, but uh <laughs> Just luck, I guess. But anyway, Edward, we got a lot to talk about, a lot of stuff going on with the Giants. Um, we're in the, the the first couple weeks or so of the Joe Shane era, but already, you know, he's gone down to the Senior Bowl. We've read about, you know, what he's doing with the Scouts, um, the coaching search, everything like that. It's early. I get it. And, and it doesn't matter until unless they win games. But thus far, Ed, what are your impressions of Joe Shane?
1: Well. I'm impressed so far, Patty, but like you said, it's two weeks and, and, and we don't know, but, but I'm impressed by a couple of things. I've been impressed by his willingness to not like walk in the door and sweep everything out without really considering, without really looking at people, without really saying, okay, let me look at these people and see who I can work with and who I can't work with. I've been impressed by that. I mean, now is not a good time to just blow up the front office and the scouting staff anyway because of with with the draft coming up, with free agency coming up, so much of that work's already been done. But he's expressed a willingness to, to see what people can do, to work with the existing system that the Giants have been working with, at least for now and I've also been impressed by some of the people that have been brought into the organization to this point. So, so to me, it's a good start.
0: Yeah. They just brought in uh Brandon Brown that was reported. The giants haven't confirmed it, but Brandon Brown coming from the Eagles and I don't know about you, Ed, but I start to, I'm seeing a trend here with some of the decisions and the way Shane is approaching stuff. Number one, you know, Buffalo's been a successful organization under Brandon Bean and, and, and Shane, for, who were there together, Batman and Robin for five years. Brandon Brown coming from the Eagles. And yes, I know Giant fans are probably cringing a little bit. How dare we take somebody from the Eagles? But the Eagles have done a pretty decent job with finding personnel uh, over the years. They've had some misses, just like every other team on the face of the planet. But they've done some good, some good things there. And... Uh, Howie Roseman, I think, runs a pretty good program as far as developing people who go on to become GMs or assistant GMs or directors of uh, player personnel and whatnot.
1: Yeah, I've been impressed by, you know, you bring in Brandon Brown, who's a a rising star from an organization that has done some good things. You bring in Mike Kafka to the coaching staff, who's Learned offense at the feet of Andy Reid for the last few years. Another guy who's considered a rising star in the coaching profession. So the Giants are going to winning organizations at this point for some some young, rising talent. We don't know how that's going to work out. I mean, I I wrote this morning at Big Blue View that as as we all praise all of these hirings, and the things that have gone on, we have to remember Ben McAdoo was a rising star in the coaching profession when the Giants made him head coach. James Betcher was a rising star in the coaching profession when the Giants made him defensive coordinator. Joe Judge was a rising star when the Giants made him head coach. Those things didn't work out, but but it's still a good start. It still feels like a step in the right direction.
0: And it's different, you know, because the Giants, and we used to talk about this with Joe Judge. We used to say, "Look, if he if he doesn't expand his horizons and learn different ways of doing things, he's going to collapse in himself." Well, the Giants, I think we can say, collapsed within themselves because they kept doing things, you know, the only way they knew how to do for a number of years, and it just after a while it wasn't working anymore. That the I guess the rest of the league caught up with them, or or passed them by, whatever you want to say. And now they're going outside for uh, different methods, different voices, different philosophies. And really, that's not a bad thing at the end of the day.
1: No, it's not, because the Giants have been, people have, have talked about it for, for a long time now, You know, saying that the Giants were stuck in the Giants way, that the way that used to work, promoting from within, still thinking in a lot of ways in the, the George Young 1980s philosophy 35 years later. And you have to adapt with the times. And and like I said, I've been impressed with the willingness to go outside the organization. I've been impressed with Sean's willingness to 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 look at people so far. And, and I, I think it's a I think it's a good start, of course. Uh we still don't have a coaching staff in place and 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 a game hasn't been played yet so so we have to temper all of it but but I do think they're off to a good start
0: yeah absolutely and time will tell and and I agree with you that you know the fact that Joe Shane hasn't come in with the big broom and started firing people left and right, you know, there's, it's a process. And look, you know, a lot of people say, oh, can the Giants be the next Cincinnati Bengals go from being at the bottom of the barrel to, you know, Super Bowl contender? I don't think it's going to happen overnight, but you know, if everything falls into place, we're definitely going to see some improvement, and I think you and I are going to have to learn how to write more about winning, you know, games that that result in wins. I know it's a foreign concept of late. But... I,
1: I don't remember. I don't remember how to do that, Patty. I, I don't yeah, remember how to do it either. We, but we'll have we to practice. Having, we keep having meetings here with the editors of some of the other football sites at at SB Nation and we keep talking about playoffs and i keep asking why i have to go to those meetings <laughs>
0: you know well you know what eddie not counting this because there's no football this weekend um i don't count the pro bowl which is supposed to be played sunday but who cares uh but the super bowl so if you want to practice writing about a winning team pick the winner of the super bowl and get some practice i think that's what i'm going to do just to make sure i haven't forgotten how to do that (laughs) but
1: yeah there you go there you go we will write about that a little bit
0: All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But first, if you're aiming to eat healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Bilt Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but without the calories and without the sugar. Most Bilt Bars contain about 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein, making it an easy item to include in any of your diet plans that you happen to be on. So head on over to BiltBar.com, use our special promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your first order and start stack, stocking up today. Again, that's code LOCK15, L-O-C-K-E-D 1-5 for 15% off your first order at BiltBar.com. Edward, I want to ask you about the coaching staff now, Brian Dable, uh, you were there for his, his, uh, introductory presser. Let me get your, your, your impressions of him first off.
1: I think he's a, a very humble down to earth guy. I think there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of ego. There's not a lot of bluster. There's not a lot of chest thumping. And, and I liked that, um, I I think we've seen with a couple of the coaches that the Giants have hired, and I'm thinking about Ben McAdoo, and in a way, as much as I liked Joe Judge, I'm thinking about Joe Judge as well. I think they came in sort of pounding their chests and thinking that they had the answers. And and Brian Dable doesn't seem to be that way. He seems to be coming in and he basically, you know, he rolled up in his pickup truck. And he's like, let's just get to work and see and see what we can get done here. And and that was kind of refreshing for me.
0: Yeah. The fact that, you know, he came in, you know, and you mentioned Joe Judge. When he spoke at his introductory presser, he sounded like he had a plan. He was ready to hit it. And you know, the thing with planning is is the best laid plans can go down the toilet. <laughs> I mean, you can plan to do something and then something an unexpected twist gets thrown into your day or your year or whatever and now you have to adapt and I don't know and and look I like Joe I let let me make that clear I I have nothing against Joe I thought he was a a really good guy I still think he could be a good football coach but where he he came up short for me is I'm not so sure he adapted when things happen in other words he just Instead of saying, okay, you know, this is not working this way. Let's let's try a different way. He just kept at it until circumstances really forced his hand. Um, and, and that you, you, you have to be flexible. You have to adapt as a head coach because you just never know what's around the corner.
1: One of the differences that I see here, Patty, is, and again, we have to wait and see what happens when the games start and all of that. But one of the differences that I see is, you have to look at the resumes of the two men. Joe came from New England. He came from Alabama. He came from the Sabin Belichick tree. Find failure anywhere on Joe Judge's resume. Okay. I can't until he came to New York. He had never really and truly dealt with it because even when he was asked about dealing with failure, he referenced the year that New England won the Super Bowl. Mm. And he referenced talking about feeling like the assistant coaches were all going to be fired at midseason. And I went and looked it up and new England was seven and two
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) at that point in time. So, so Joe, as a coach had never dealt with the kind of failure, the kind of adversity that the giants went through in the last couple of years, you know, and I think that's, that's problematic. Brian Dable has the Sabin Belichick training, but Brian Dable has also been a number of other places. Brian Dable was in Cleveland when they were bad. You know, Brian Dable has has been through you know, th- through a couple of other. He started in in Buffalo when Buffalo wasn't the the juggernaut that we see now. He's been with some other head coaches in some other places, and I think that 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 very background gives me some reason for optimism.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a point I know I, I have in, in my column as well. And a good point, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because look, when Joe Judge said that, I, I thought, I said to myself, when have you ever been part of a failing organization? I couldn't remember it and I couldn't find it. And I was like, right. what are you talking about? You know, that's like, you know, a Pulitzer Prize winning author saying, well, you know, I only sold 1 million copies of books as opposed to 1.5 million or something, something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like most authors would be happy to sell a million, you know, so um, good point there. Let me ask you, though, about the offense, because, you know, what I found kind of interesting here is it seems to me the Giants are looking to build around Daniel Jones, because John Mayer, god bless him he finally came out and said what i've been screaming about for years the giants have been screwing daniel jones every which way but center you know with 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 not putting a good offensive line in front of him without giving him decent receivers until recently you know the inconsistencies and the instability at coaching they've admitted that they've screwed this kid up and this kid just keeps coming back and working and trying to prove that he is worthy of being this team's franchise quarterback so now they bring in brian Dable. Who, of course, worked wonders with Josh Allen, came up with a system that fit Allen. They bring in Mike Kafka, who worked with Andy Reid. Andy Reid, I think, is is primarily a West Coast offense type, of, or at least he's rooted in the West Coast offense. So, when you think about this um, this offensive, the potential of an offensive system, where do you, how do you see it kind of shaping out? How do you see it blending together? Because Dable and what they ran in the Bills, and what Reid and and uh, you know. And and Biennemi and Kafka ran at at in the chief with the chiefs is a little different. So how do you see this kind of merging together?
1: Well, I'm not exactly sure, Patty, but I am sure interested to find out. I think that that I'm I'm thrilled by the fact that what you have here in Dable, in Kafka, you have a couple of guys who are really good offensive minds. their are they're current. They've had, you know, recent success. I mean, Kafka has been part of what what's going on in Kansas City. Obviously, you're not going to be able to turn Daniel Jones into Patrick Mahomes um, you're, or you're not going to be able to turn him into Josh Allen. What you want to do is turn him into the best version of Daniel Jones that he can be. And and I've yes, the Giants have have not done Daniel Jones any favors, I don't know that Daniel Jones can be a top 10, top 12 kind of quarterback. I think he can be better than what we've seen. I think that that Dayball has promised to to figure out what Daniel Jones can do, what he likes. He he talked at his introductory press conference about even asking Jones to to go back to Duke to find some concepts that he likes and again, that's another thing that I like about, about Dable is that he's he's coached a lot of different types of quarterbacks. He's co- He's been an offensive coordinator four times. He's done it different ways. I don't think there is a Brian Dable system. It's not, you know, this is what we run. This is how we do it. I don't think that exists in Kansas City either. And, and that's what makes me optimistic is that I think that 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 this will evolve over time. Now, I think it's a short window for Daniel Jones, let's be honest. It's a really short window for Daniel because he's in the fourth year of his rookie contract. I'd be shocked if the Giants pick up that fifth-year option. It's a really short window for him to prove that he can be the guy going forward. But I think this gives him an opportunity to do that.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you on the on the fifth year option. It makes no sense to do it, to be honest with you, you know, having looked at it and it is a short window. And the the big thing with Daniel, obviously, is also going to be staying healthy. You know, now I've had uh, I've had David Turner on my show uh, during the season. I know you've had him on your show a couple of times. And David always used to say, you know, why are you having your quarterback run the ball when you have running backs? You know, it made no sense. I mean, it's a part of Daniel's game. Daniel can execute design runs, but the whole thing with Daniel has been his refusal to slide feet first and protect himself as well as to know when to give up on a play and and live to see another down. So, I mean, that's probably going to be a challenge for him. But, you know what, I do like, you know, you mentioned the point that uh, Dable asked Jones to, hey, come up with a list of things you like to do, going back to your days at Duke and, you know, hopefully that results in a, in a, a more uh, a better fitting offensive system. Because right now, what what they have asked Daniel to do, I mean, Shermer, I think, came closest with his system, but since then they haven't come close to fitting what this kid can do really well. And how are you supposed to make a decision on him if if you don't know?
1: I think that we what what we know about Daniel Jones. To me, I think what we know, I mean, we know what his character is. We know what his intelligence is. We know what his work level is. We know that he has a tremendous amount of physical skill. He doesn't have Josh Allen's size and strength to run through people, but he does have some speed and he's not a small guy and he can do some things with his legs. He doesn't have Josh Allen's you know Howitzer of an arm, or Patrick Mahomes' ability to to make crazy off, you know off platform throws, but he does have the ability to make all of the NFL throws. We, I think we've seen that over the years. So there, there's reason to to be optimistic with Daniel. We'll just have to we'll have to see where it goes. I'm interested to see how much they run him as well. Because Daybull comes from a system where you could run Josh Allen, who's 245 or 250 pounds, and you could run power with him. You can't do that with Daniel Jones. You just can't because because he'll be in street clothes most of the year. If you try to do that, you have to you have to be very careful. And and you, it's an interesting blend because Kansas City never uses Patrick Mahomes as a designed runner. So we'll see how the Giants incorporate that. But to me. You can't take that away from Daniel, but you have to be careful about about how you do it and when you do it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now, one more thing. <clears throat> excuse me. One more thing about the offense, and then just real quick, we'll touch on the defense before we call, wrap it up. When you look at the state of the rest of the offense, the offensive line, we all know has to be fixed up. Um, how much of a of a concern do you have about that unit? Because you know, look. You still got to bring these guys in. You got to let them gel. You've got a new offensive line coach. Bobby Johnson's been reported to be the new offensive line coach. But the gelling process does take time. And really, those guys aren't going to gel, I think, until they start playing games, you know, in the preseason. Are you concerned that that might take a while to, to settle in and therefore get the offense off to a slow start or, or, or are you just at a point where, Hey, everybody's starting over anyhow, it doesn't really matter.
1: Well, I, of course you have to be concerned at this point, Patty, because we we have no idea who the people are going to be. I think you have come to the same conclusion that I've come to. The giants have one offensive lineman they can comfortably go forward with. That's Andrew Thomas at left tackle. Other than that, it's It's an open book. I mean, a couple of the guys on the current roster might be back, but but I wouldn't count on any of that. I think that that what gives me hope is that Brian Dable and Bobby Johnson did this in Buffalo. Okay, they did this in Buffalo, where they they came in, and I think in Dable's first year. They had four brand-new starters on the offensive line in Buffalo, and they were successful, so they did it. Mike Kafka was in a situation in Kansas City this past year where they completely overhauled the offensive line, two rookie starters inside, uh, and they were successful with it. So what gives me hope is that the people that the Giants have in place have done this before now does that mean they can do it again? Does that mean they'll be, you know, 100% successful and the offensive line is going to be fixed when we get to September? We can't say that, but it gives me but just the people that the Giants have put in place and the fact that they've done this before, they've been through this exact experience, you know, gives me some hope that that at least some steps forward will be taken.
0: Yeah. Fingers crossed, because if they don't get this offensive line fixed,
1: then it doesn't it, it, Patty, it doesn't it doesn't matter who the running backs are. It doesn't. We we know that the Giants have to rebuild the tight end position. We know that that despite all the resources they put into receiver last year, we know some of those guys aren't going to be back and they could use at least a mid round pick at receiver. Mm-hmm. We know we know all of that. And we said this a year ago, none of it's going to matter unless they get the offensive line right. right. They're going to get Daniel Jones broken again. They're not going to be able to function unless they make progress there. Yeah. So, so that, you know, forget the scheme, forget the weapons, forget the running back, get the offensive line right. And go from there because if you have a good offensive line and and even you know, quote unquote, mediocre weapons around him, you can function as an offense. but but you've got to get that line right. I just, like I said, we've seen it done. It's not easy to do. You know, not everybody that tries it is successful at it, but I you know at, at rebuilding an entire offensive line in one off season. I mean, Dave Gettleman had a reputation for, for really knowing offensive line play and couldn't get it done in four years. Hmm. So, so we'll see what happens, but I do feel optimistic simply because of the people that are in place.
0: All right, Giant fans, still more to come on today's program at first, the get Upside app, which you can download for free from Google Play or the App Store offers savings every time you fill up at the pump at participating gas stations. Sign up today for your free account and use our special promo code, Touchdown, to get at least $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up at participating gas stations. Again, you can cash out anytime you want to your bank account, PayPal, or get an e-gift card to Amazon and other brands. Again, that code is Touchdown and that app is GetUpside. It's a free app. Download it today and start saving every time you fill up at the pump. All right, I gotta ask you about the defense now. Um, Obviously the big news over the weekend, Patrick Graham decided to take a job with Josh McDaniels out in Las Vegas. He will be the defensive coordinator out there. Now, I didn't see if if, if Graham is going to be the assistant head coach, defensive coordinator. I, I'm not sure exactly what his title is. Were you surprised that Patrick Graham took that job? Patty, initially,
1: yes. Because I think I fell victim, like a lot of people did, to the simple assumption that because Patrick, Patrick Graham didn't get the job in Minnesota. That he he had a contract with the Giants. He knew Brian Dable and he would be back. But then you stop and you think about everything that's gone on with the Giants in the last couple of weeks. Joe Judge is Patrick Graham's best friend. Mm-hmm. Joe Judge got fired. All right. Brian Flores is another one of Patrick Graham's really good friends. Patrick Graham worked for Brian Flores. Flores graciously allowed Patrick Graham to leave Miami to come to New York. And now Brian Flores is suing the Giants over the whole Rooney rule violations and the hiring practices and all of that. And I don't want to get into a Flores discussion. But Patrick Graham also interviewed for that head coaching job, and he Mm -hmm. didn't get it. Mm -hmm. So now you've got Joe Judge gone. You've got another one of his friends suing the organization. You've got the fact that he didn't get the job, and Brian Daybold did. And Patrick Graham, as much as he said many, many times, and you heard him say this many, many times over the last couple of years, how much he loved the Giants organization, how much he appreciated it, how it was a dream job for him. I have to imagine that he's been sitting there the last few days Thinking, this really is not a dream job anymore. This is not comfortable. This is not, you know, this is not what I signed up for because a lot of things have happened here in the last few days that that just don't make this, you know, something that I feel good about anymore. And then Josh McDaniels, another guy that that, you know, Graham has history with, came along and offered him a job on a better team that just won 10 games made the playoffs. And what I wrote this morning was I'd have taken that job too. Mm -hmm. That's better for my career because I walk into a good team with, with something that's already built and, and that might help further my own aspirations to, to become a head coach.
0: Yeah. I, I wrote the same thing, to be honest with you. I was like, you know, cause somebody said to me on Twitter um, well what happened to Patrick Graham he said this was his dream job you know so much for his for his words I said well back then it was his dream job for the reasons yeah. you cited Joe judge was there his best friend um you know there was no strife surrounding the organization now you look at what's what's gone on and it, I I I totally get it. I mean, am am I disappointed that Graham's not back? Yes. I mean, did I fall victim to, oh, okay, he didn't get the job in Minnesota, so he's going to come back because any move would be lateral? Yes. But he, I, I thought the decision to jump to Las Vegas spoke volumes about maybe what's going through Patrick Graham's mind.
1: Well, I also think, to be honest with you, when it comes to Graham, he went through a nine hour interview on Tuesday in Minnesota. And obviously I wasn't in the room, but but I'm guessing that the way that interview went, I'm guessing Patrick Graham came out of that interview thinking, you know what? I can get one of these jobs eventually. I you know that I, I feel like I feel like like I'm I'm there, I'm ready and I can can earn one of these jobs. And let's be honest, more than likely, as much as we all want the Giants to get better and get better quickly, this is going to be a process. It's going to take time. Patrick Graham has been part of, although he's done a good job personally and his defenses haven't been responsible for it, between Miami and New York he's been part of three bad football teams in the last three years that's maybe not a good thing to put on a resume when you're going and and trying to become a head coach so so Mm -hmm. I don't blame him at all I just as like I said I just think that it's a good career move and I think that New York had become uncomfortable for him
0: yeah I agree with you on that so now with that said Brian Dable as we record the show here interviewing several guys for the defensive coordinator position guys with different philosophies and backgrounds I might add not they don't all share the same philosophy who intrigues you most of, of the candidates that have been reportedly linked to the position
1: well the guy who who intrigues me is Sean Desai the guy from from Chicago I don't know how good of a coordinator he actually is. He only had one year in Chicago. He was with Chicago for seven or eight years before he got that opportunity. But he's the young guy. He's 38 years old. All of the other candidates are, are older guys that have been around the block that are really good defensive coordinators. And that's the one thing I think you have to you have to say here. It's a good list. Wink Martindale. Jim Schwartz, Vic Fangio's on that list of, of possibilities. Terrell Austin has been a, a quality defensive coordinator in the league for a while. So so it's a list of quality people. The one that really intrigues me, probably because he's the one I know the least about, and because he's a young guy and and could be considered a one of those rising stars. And I'm not even sure that that they that he was a coach when he initially you know started with the bears if you you know he was he was a really low level guy on the on the on the coaching tree there but but he intrigues me i think just because of his rise
0: yeah now of course the the if the one thing they all haven't come in common, and by the way i think i've seen where maybe uh jerome henderson the defensive backs coach might get an interview but i couldn't find any defensive coordinator uh, background in henderson Uh, or prior positions in Henderson's background. But the thing there that these guys all have in common is they all did call plays. And you kind of get the impression that Brian Dable wants somebody who has been there, done that, because, look, the offense, we can all agree, needs to be rebuilt. It needs a lot of love and attention here. The defense, if you get somebody who knows what he's doing, who can kind of self-manage himself and, you know, doesn't need as much intervention from the head coach – I think ideally that's probably what you want.
1: I mean, would you agree with that? Absolutely, Patty. I think that Brian Dable started his career for a couple of years as a low-level defensive assistant in the NFL, but Brian Dable is an offensive head coach. All right. He's an offensive head coach. He's been an offensive coach for 20 years now. He's been an offensive coordinator four times. That's his expertise. He doesn't want to have to hunker down and and get into the nitty gritty of a defense. And also it has to help him if he can simply turn the defense over to someone. Obviously, you know, there are characteristics and and things that he'll want, but if he can if he can focus on the offense and focus on helping Mike Kafka, who's going to be, if he's allowed to call plays, he'll be a first-time play caller. Dable's a first-time head coach. We know Joe Shane wants Brian Dable to manage games and not to call plays if possible. And I, I think, you know, having a guy, as you said, who's been there, done that on the defensive side of the ball would be a huge thing.
0: Yeah. Final question for you, Ed. You, you mentioned the play calling, and I want to go back to that. How do you think that is going to play
1: out? Oh, Patty, I think it's going to be really, really hard for Brian Dable to give up that play calling. I, I had the I had the impression when we got a chance to talk to him that that he really, in his heart, didn't want to. He yeah. he, he doesn't want to give it up. But the flip side of that is. I honestly, Mike Kafka has had interviews as for, for head coaching jobs over the last couple of years. He's a guy that, you know, Pete Sweeney from SB Nation's Arrowhead Pride site told me he's kind of been the offensive coordinator in waiting in Kansas City. And unfortunately, Eric Bieniemy hasn't been able to get a head coaching job. My gut instinct tells me, and and the Giants are going to play this coy, they're not going to give us a direct answer for a while, but my gut instinct tells me that Mike Kafka wasn't coming to New York to work for a coach he didn't know unless he was told that he would get to call plays.
0: Makes sense, because they they didn't have a prior connection, if I'm not mistaken. Right, they don't have
1: a prior connection, so I don't think Mike Kafka was going to come to the Giants unless he was told that that your bottom line would be that the that the offensive play calling would be his responsibility
0: you sure hope that 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 is the case because i know you're a big fan of the ceo style head coach i know i am but you know there are some guys that just find it hard to give it up i mean ben mcadoo couldn't give it up pat shermer couldn't give it up you know and it
1: and it works patty it works for some guys
0: sure andy reid it it works for
1: it works for andy reid it works for sean mcveigh Mm-hmm. It might work for Brian Dable, but yeah. it's not my favorite approach because, because I don't like to see shots of on the sideline when there's something critical going on with special teams or with the defense or even even with the offense. You know, a, there's a situation that, that a head coach might need to address. I hate looking over there when something's going on and the head coach has his face stuck in a play card. Yeah.
0: I'm with you. I on hate that.
1: that because because to me, to me, that's not the job. To me, the job is to coach the team, not to call the next play.
0: Yeah. I'm and with you. And we saw
1: that a lot with McAdoo. We saw that a lot with McAdoo. And we saw it at times with Pat Shermer And and you know, So I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the head coach trusting his offensive coordinator and his defensive coordinator. I mean, you lean into the headset and you say, Hey, let's go heavy on this series. You know, this might be a good time to pull a trick out of the bag. You know, you, you, you have influence that way. You, you veto something if you hear it in the headset and you don't like it, but but to me, I don't like the head coach with his face in the play card the entire game.
0: Totally with you on that, Ed. Well, we still have a lot of questions to, to have answered. You know, the as you mentioned, the coaching staff is still being assembled. So it's going to be an interesting few weeks coming up. I'm sure uh, at, later on this month, we're going to find out some of the, the cuts that are going to have to be made to get this team under the salary cap. So, Edward want to thank you for coming on. Great stuff, as always. I know you've got five inches of ice you need to go and address. So, uh, (laughs) everybody, make sure you check out Ed's work over at Big Blue View. And also, I'm going to be on Ed's podcast as well. I think it's running tomorrow, uh, or Monday, I should say, right, Ed?
1: Yes, on Monday, Patty.
0: So, check them out. And, folks, don't forget, here on the Left on Giants podcast, we are not only doing Twitter Tuesday tomorrow, but because I hit 2000 subscribers on YouTube you know what that means we're going to open the box and find out what's in it exciting time <laughs> so make oh sure you patty take it. gets swag i get swag <laughs> i i get swag i told subscribers uh i got a lollipop from the lockdown network when i hit 1000 i got this mystery box which i pretty i'm pretty sure i know what's in it but i when when i got the instructions do not open until you hit 2,000 subscribers on YouTube. Well, I'm over 2,000 subscribers. I hit that over the weekend, but because we did this show, I want to save this for Twitter Tuesday because that's one of my popular shows. So, folks, we will find out what's in the box. Well, you're, I,
1: um, I, I just today. I have to tell I have to tell you, Patty, your viewers should be happy because I got this nice, fancy new microphone from 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 SB Nation so that you guys can yes. see my pretty face now. I know, but I just hope we don't lose <laughs>
0: viewers now because of it.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, Patty, your 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 appearance on my show is we not can canceled. do this,
0: folks. Folks, we could do this. Ed and I go back so so many years, It's 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 like who Ed who once made the comment that that we were like an old married football couple. Was it you that made that once? Because we used oh. to host. For those who don't know, Ed and I used to be co-hosts on this this podcast, and before that, we had our own podcasts. So we used to pick on each other all the time.
1: I don't, I don't know who made that comment, Patty. I think you but did actually, probably, but it, I think you it still did. applies.
0: Yeah, it still does. <laughs> I bust on you more than I bust on my own husband.
1: Uh, I don't know. You have to, you have to live with him, so <laughs> that's so you true. Have to, I only have, have, to have to
0: see be... you a couple times a week, so that's
1: right. That's right.
0: All right, Eddie, I'll let you get to that five inches of ice and whatever else you got planned. Folks, check him out. Big Blue View, Big Blue View Radio. He's on Twitter at Big Blue View and also at Ed, I think, is it at Ed underscore Valentine? Valentine
1: underscore Ed.
0: Okay. All the way around. Up. All right. All right, folks, <laughs> we'll catch you tomorrow for Twitter Tuesday
1: for Ed Valentine. I am Patricia Traynor. Have a great one, everybody.